and he offered the lady very sumptuous food, including sweet rice. Once before he offered the sweet rice, he thought that it was too hot, and he thought, Oh, let me test it. My, it is very hot. When he put his finger in the sweet rice to test it, his finger was burned and his meditation broken. Although he was offering the food to the Lord within his mind, the Lord accepted it nonetheless. Consequently, the Lord in Vaikuntha immediately sent a chariot to bring the Brahmana back home, back to Godhead. Thus, it is the duty of every sincere devotee to accept the Archavitraha at home or in the temple and worship the form of the Lord as advised in authorized scriptures and directed by the spiritual master. Om Agyanati Nirandasya Gyananjana Shalakaya Chakshurun Militam Yena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Shri Chaitanya Manobhisham Sthapitam Yena Bhutale Swayam Purva Pratamayam Dadati Svapadantikam Mukam Karoti Vachalam Pangum Langraya Devirim Yatripatamaham Pande Shri Guru Dinatarinam Vanchavarupatarubhyastra Kripasindhu Devacha Patitanam Pavanibhyo Vaishnavibhyo Sankarshan, Anirudha and Pratyumna and it also includes the Sat Chaturviva. 
which is Keshava Madhava, like when we all do Achamana before we go on the altar, we say the names of the Lord, purify different body parts, Keshava Madhava, Narayana, Govinda, Madhusudana. So these are the Sat-Chaturvivas, which are expansion from the main Chaturvivas. Um, so again, these are also situated in Vaikuntha. So the Parakam is situated in Vaikuntha and the Chaturvivas is also situated in Vaikuntha. And the next form of the Lord is called as Vibhava. So the Vibhava is nothing but the Leela Avatars of the Lord. And these Leela Avatars of the Lord are descending in the material world. From the Parakam of the Lord, they come down in the material world. And the main purpose of the Leela Avatar of the Lord is to attract everyone. Like Krishna, Ram, everyone comes and does their pastimes in the material world mainly to attract Paritranaya Sadhana, to attract the conditioned souls and take them to deliver the, the sadhus, to deliver the devotees, these forms come. The fourth form of the Lord after Para, Yuha, uh, and Vipava is Antaryami. So Antaryami is the Lord within the heart, the Paramatma. And the main uh, function or the main uh, duty of the Paramatma is to guide the devotee from within as the Chaitya Guru. So the Vibhava form of the Lord which is the Leela Avatars in the material world, they come to attract the conditioned souls and the Lord expands as Antaryami to guide the conditioned whole soul back to him, back to Godhead. So like we know in the Ishopanishad uh, uh, and also in other scriptures it is mentioned about Upadeshra, uh, Upadeshrata and Anumanta. So he is the witness and he is the sanctioner of all the activities of the conditioned souls and of every devotee. So that's the Antaryami form of the Lord and the fifth form of the Lord which is mentioned in the scriptures is the Archavigraha form of the Lord. Now this Archavigraha form of the Lord, this is again the Lord himself expanding but this is the Lord expanding in material elements and he does that mainly so that we can, it enables us to serve him while being in the material world. Because if we are told, oh Leela Avatar, you know, Sindhu Smaran, because Leela Avatars, right now there is no Leela Avatars, for example, on the earth. So, you know, we missed the boat, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was there some time ago, but maybe we were there at that time, we were there, we don't know. But for us, you know, Leela Avatar is like Smaranam reading through the scriptures, that's how we will have a meditation on the Lord. But the Lord realizes that condition in our souls needs something material, something tangible also to worship, to engage their senses. And therefore, very mercifully, he descends in a material form in this world, just to accept our worship. So, Srila Prabhupada gives the example, and we'll elaborate on this example later. He always gives the example of the post box in the Bhagavad Gita. So, he says that if you put the letter in an authorized post box, which has been authorized by the council or the government, only then will it reach the required destination. However, if we create our own post boxes, you know, it's for anybody, it might be easy to create a red color post box which is there on the corner of some streets. But if we create our own post box and keep putting things in there, it's not going to reach the required destination. Well, they just sit lying over there in that post box. So, Prabhupada says that the Archavikraha is the authorized representation of the Lord coming down to accept everything and then take it back. Like take the person also back and the worship also to the Supreme Lord. So there is that difference between idol worship and deity worship. We'll again expand on, on that a little bit more. But in our sampradaya, especially in ISKCON, there is a lot of uh, importance given to deity worship, the worship of the Achavitraha form of the Lord. You can see every ISKCON center has gorgeous deities of the Lord which are worshipped. In fact, ISKCON temples in India, like, there are so many Krishna temples, especially in India. But what makes this temple stand apart from the others is the beautiful darshan that people get. That is what attracts everyone, the gorgeous daily worship that is carried out in his temples as authorized and established by uh, Srila Prabhupada. So, um, in fact, there are different forms of the archa as well, and the Lord comes down. Like we were reading about the Brahmin's example in the purport which Prabhupada was mentioning about. This Brahmin has been, uh, uh, this example has been given in the Chaitanya Charitamrita. So there is a form in the mind also which can worship, which is also a form of the Lord. It's an authorized form of the Lord to worship, like the Brahmin was doing, you know, offering all the worship in his mind. In fact, in Chaitanya Charitamrita, there is another example as well. There was one, one devotee, I forget his name, who was actually sitting in meditation and he couldn't join Chaitanya Mahaprabhu during his tours. But in his mind, he was sitting in meditation and he was creating a beautiful path 
for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Like wherever Chaitanya Mahaprabhu traveled, he was creating a beautiful path. And in his mind, he was studying that path with jewels. He was decorating that path very nicely so that it would be the right kind of service to offer to the Supreme Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And at a certain point, he had stopped doing that. In his meditation, he had stopped creating the path. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu actually tells him that after that he had to walk on muddy path because there was no path which his devotee had created for him. So worshipping the Lord, the form of the Lord and offering service in the mind is also an authorized form to worship the Lord. So we see there is, you know, in terms of Archa Vigraha, there are different ways to worship. So one is a form within the mind, a form made of wood. So like Lord Jagannath is the best example of that. You know, these are deities made of wood and this is also an authorized way to worship an Archa. Then a form made of earth, like from clay or you know materials which come from the earth, that is also a form which is acceptable. Form made of metal, like we have our gold metal, they are brass deities. And I think they are one of the biggest deities, brass or metal deities in the world. So these are this is a form made of metal. Then a form made of completely made of jewels. Like, you know, it's very nice. It would be very nice to see a form which is really made of diamonds or rubies or something like that. But that is also an acceptable form of the Lord. A form made of paint, you know, a painting of the Lord, that is also an acceptable form. So, sometimes, you know, not all devotees have deities at home. They worship the pictures of the photographs of the Lord and that is also acceptable according to the scriptures. And then a form even drawn on the sand. So if a devotee like Prabhupada says, you know, Ye So the Lord accepts whatever a devotee is trying to offer to him based on whatever means are available to the devotee. So this devotee, the Brahmana, Brahman didn't have any thing to worship, no, he didn't have money, he didn't have resources. So he was doing everything in his mind. But somebody can even draw a form on the sand and then worship that form every day of the Lord. And we see, for example, you know, just extrapolating this example, when Lord Ram was here, we know that when the bridge was being created between India and Lanka, his form was, his name was written on stones, and because of that, the stones floated. So, like, it was what we are talking about here a form, you know, just a name written on the, a form drawn on the sand. So, these are different, different ways in which an Archa Vigraha can be worshipped in this material world, using different elements of the material world again to worship back the Supreme Person, the elements being used in his own service. So when Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came to this material world, he accepted two principles from every, all the four modified Vaishnava Sampradayas. He accepted two, two principles from every Vaishnava, Vaishnava Sampradaya. So from the Lakshmi Sampradaya, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu accepted the concept of unalloyed devotion, free from karma and jnana, like Ananya Bhakti. That is what he uh, accepted from the Sri or Lakshmi Sampradaya. And the second concept was Bhakta Janaseva, which is the concept of worshipping the devotees of the Lord or service to the devotees of the Lord. So these are the two principles Chaitanya Mahaprabhu accepted from the Sri Sampradaya. Then from the Madhava Sampradaya, of which we are a sect, we are Gaudiya Madhavas. So from the Madhava Sampradaya, the Brahma, Brahma Sampradaya, you know Madhavacharya who came. So he preached Vaita philosophy as we all know. And from that particular uh, Sampradaya, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu accepted the following points. He accepted complete defeat of the Mayavadi philosophy. So, Kevala Advaita Mishana, that is what Madhava Sampradaya or Madhavacharya had come to preach, Dvaita philosophy. So, that is what principally accepted, defeating Mayavadi philosophy and the worship of deity of Krishna and understand it to be eternal. So, Krishna Murti Sevana. So this, you know, concept of deity worship or archa vigraha was accepted by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu from Madhavacharya or from the Brahma Sampradaya. So that was the second principle he accepted from there. From the Rudra Sampradaya, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu accepted the sentiment of total dependence on Lord Krishna. And it is called as Tadiya Sarvasvabhava. And the second principle he, which he accepted from the Rudra Sampradaya was the path of spontaneous, for spontaneous devotional service. So Raghamara. So Rudra Sampradaya, we know Vallabhacharya came in that Sampradaya and he has, you know, we see in India there are so many devotees who worship the Lord under the Vallabha Sampradaya and they worship usually the Baal Gopal form. So again, the Lord accepted Raghunath's spontaneous devotional service from that particular Sampradaya. And from the Kumara Sampradaya, the Lord accepted again two principles and the, uh, they were the need of taking exclusive shelter of Sri Radhika. 
So Ekanta Radhika Shraya. So in Nimbalka Sampradaya, there is a lot of importance given to Radharani's worship. And that is the principle Chaitanyamantrabhu accepted from there. And the exalted mood of the gopis love for Shri Krishna. Gopi bhav. So worship of Radha, prominence of Radharani and Gopi bhav. These are the two principles which Chaitanyamantrabhu accepted from the Nimbalka Sampradaya. So again, coming back to deity worship, this was the principle which Chaitanya accepted from Madhavacharya or Brahma Sampradaya. And we'll talk a little bit more about what is the importance of deity worship, how all the Acharyas have also, not only Srila Prabhupada, obviously Srila Prabhupada was following all the Acharyas, the previous Acharyas, but how the previous Acharyas have also emphasized the importance of Achavikraha or worship of the deities. So we see that all great Acharyas emphasize the deity of uh, you know, worshipping Krishna and keeping the deities in the center. And that was mainly to give a focus by which all of us can come together to remember him, to serve him and love him. So even now, like you know, after the lockdown has happened, we see how devotees are yearning to come to the temple. Now the temple has started stage darshans and I'm you know sure they get booked out as soon as we keep opening the you know the windows of the darshan. That is because the temple is the center for the activities for all uh, for all other devotional activities of the devotees. It's like the sun from which the rays go out. So the temple is the center and any preaching activities, any prashadam distribution, harinam, everything we do is like, you know, centered around the temple and is like offshooting from the temple. So the temple is the main center and the deities are the main center for all the devotees. So all devotees have been feeling separation and that is why no wonder that we see the darshans booked out so quickly. So, um, if we see even the great Acharyas, like for example Madhavacharya, whom you know, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu took the worship, the deity worship from, the principle of deity worship from, he was there, he was preaching very strongly against Mayavadis, he was trying to establish the Dvaita philosophy of the Lord, but even then he had also established his center in Udubi as Udubi Krishna, the muds that he had established. And everything was focused around the worship of the deity in this month and different, you know, subsets of this month that he had established in the country. So that was even that, that way Madhavacharya brought all his disciples and devotees together and the center was Udupi Krishna Mat and worship of the Udupi uh, temple or the uh, deity in the Udupi temple. Similarly, we see Ramanujacharya. So Ramanujacharya was also a pro pro like a very proficient preacher. For him also preaching about Krishna was very important. But again, he established high standards of deity worship in Kanchipuram, in Tirupati. Like even today, thousands of pilgrims flock to Tirupati Balaji to take, take worship, to take darshan, and they have very high standard of deity worship. And also in Sri Ranga. So Ramanathachari had made his base in Sri Ranga, and there was gorgeous worship he had established of Ranganachi. And everything was centered around that temple deity of Sri Ranga, in Sri Ranga of Ranganachi. In the same way we see even our own Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So he had made his base in Jagannath Puri and all his you know, focus was around the deity of Lord Jagannath. Every day he would go to take darshan. You know, he used to celebrate Ratyatra so opulently, like he used to look forward to the Ratyatra. Very recently we had the Ratyatra in Puri, Gundicha Majan, where he used to engage all the devotees and again cleaning the temple so that the Lord can be invited into a clean temple. So even Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, even though he had come to establish the Sankirtan Yajna, the Yuga Dharma of the chanting of Hare Krishna Mahamantra, he was still, the focus was still around Lord Jagannath and service to Lord Jagannath. So, and, and also it is evident from the fact that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu instructed all the Goswamis to excavate the holy places, like he sent them to Vrindavan to um, uh, discover all the holy places which had been lost over time. So he asked them to excavate all the holy places and to re-establish some of the lost temples in Vrindavan. So again we see, even the Goswamis were engaged in deity worship, like Radha Govindji, Radha Madan Mohan, all of these deities were established by the six Goswamis who were working under Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's instructions. So we see that most religions in the world actually um, worship God in different forms. Even though some of them call that deity worship as idol worship. And they actually denounce idol worship. But if we see most religions in the world are focused around worshipping some form of the Lord. Every religion needs some focal point. Otherwise it's very hard for the congregation of that religion to come together and worship anything. So if we see for example the six, 
we see that they worship guru gansai that is the main do you know worship for them so they they gather together in gurudwara and there is the guru gansai gansai now the guru gansai is actually their worshipable deity if we see because that is the focal point for all the sikhs they also are you know having something to worship a material form to worship so that they can engage their minds and their senses in the worship of that particular book which they consider the representation of the lord so the sikhs are the guru gansai in the same way the muslims have their mosque so again they call it idol worship what you know the vedic scriptures have said as authorized ashtanga worship but if we see even the muslims in that religion also they are also all focused on paying obeisances and you know they pay obeisances in the, in the direction of mecca so you see every mosque wherever you know muslims down and prayers or they are doing their namaz even in their homes they are told to always do their pay the obeisances in the direction of the mecca because the mecca is like the central focal point for them so again that is a worshipable form for them they might not have an idol or something but, but the mecca is like the worshipable form for them in the same way we see christians so in the church everything is focused around the cross so they stand before it and pray they kneel down they uh, kiss the you know they wear that uh, cross around their necks and they kiss the cross so again they also need this focal point of and for them it is their their the cross you know again the form of the cross which is there which is again a material authorized form which they accept in their religion to worship and we see the jews as well so again the jews also worship the torah and you know some they also kiss it worship it on festival days they actually decorate the torah with some jewels and some necklaces and all that so in this way we see that every religion sees the great need to gather together and worship a form which they perceive as the essence of god and that is there in every religion so even though some religions denounce idol worship they all see the need to have some central essence or some central focal point for them to come together and worship so people who are right again sidel worship say that we should not worship form or the form of the god in anything material but we that you know that we should always you know it's in the mind that like people who are again sidel worship will say that don't idol worship because it's a material form but we see that all of them are also doing it in one form or the other whereas in the vedic scriptures it is not idol worship but it is authorized ashtavikraha worship form of the lord so this has this process has been authorized by god himself and like prabhupada said in the last line of the purport he said that thus it is the duty of every sincere devotee to accept ashtavikraha at home or in the temple and worship the form of the lord as advertised as advised in authorized scriptures and directed by the spiritual master so prabhupada in the vedic scriptures it is a very scientific process to first worship the ashtavikraha form of the lord and that has been authorized by guru sadhana shastra it is not some imagination like someone's fiction they just created an idol and they have worship there is a big difference between idol worship and deity worship and prabhupada says that the i am um, deity worship which we do has been authorized in the scriptures it has been authorized by sadhus it has been authorized by the spiritual master of the gurus so proper deity worship according to the teachings teachings of guru sadhu and shastra is like the authorized post box that we were talking about earlier so idols is like you know people creating their own post box they creating their own form from out of their own imagination which has not been authorized in the scriptures and therefore you know when some religions are denouncing idol worship there is actually that form where you know people have done it themselves and it's not been authorized however if it has been authorized by the scriptures and the process is done as per the scriptures then it is an authorized way to worship the supreme personality of god in fact we have seen that such authorized deities which have been installed and which have been welcomed according to guru sadhu and shastra they have deep reciprocation also with the devotees with their sincere devotees we have the greatest example of the chief deity of shrinchor gopinath now you know this is this is to establish that the archivigraha when worshiped according to the scriptures it is that was that form of the lord is not different from the lord himself which is evident from the past time of shri chor gopinath how he actually stole keel for madhavara madhavendra puri and he actually came in the dream of the pujari and told him go and give that keel to madhavendra puri he is my dear devotee he wanted to offer the service of me by tasting this keel so he can again cook that keel for me in vrindavan to my form in vrindavan which he is worshiping over there 
So please go and you know, so that is also a form of the Lord. It is an authorized form of the Lord which reciprocated with mothering the police emotions. In the same day, we had the deity which, you know, gave witness for a devotee. He walked all the way with a devotee to, with that Brahmin who's, you know, who's the, the two Brahmins. The elder Brahmin was not ready to give his daughter. The brothers of the daughter, the, the daughter were against that uh, marriage. So actually this young Brahmin came to the deity. He made the deity walk with him. And the deity actually became the witness for this um, uh, Brahmin. And he said, yes, I was there when these two Brahmins took the vow in front of me that the elder Brahmin will give his daughter in marriage to the younger Brahmin. So we know how deities reciprocate. And what to speak in the, you know, this is, we are speaking some hundreds of years ago. But even with our own Srila Prabhupada, and I'm sure it happens with, you know, different devotees even now. People don't reveal those innermost reciprocations which they have with the deities. But very recently someone had shared a post on WhatsApp, uh, on our deity uh, WhatsApp group, where Srila Prabhupada had come to a temple to take darshan. He was visiting that temple and the devotee was engaged in washing the plates, the bhoga plates of the Lord. That devotee was a bit spaced out at that time because he was very worried whether he should continue, he should surrender to Prabhupada or surrender to the movement or he should leave. And his fiancée was putting pressure on him to come back, to go, to return to his old days. So because this devotee was a bit spaced out, he was a bit under pressure, he had not cleaned the plates properly. There was still some remnants left on the plate and the pujari, the person who cooked the bhoga, he was in a hurry, so he also didn't observe that the plate was not clean. But when Prabhupada was taking darshan, the deity complained to Prabhupada that my plates are not very clean, can you please look into the standard of worship? And then Prabhupada actually questioned that and the devotee realized that how the deity reciprocated with Prabhupada because Prabhupada did not know that this devotee is faced out right now and Prabhupada even did not have to observe the plates. But that was a reciprocation with the, of the deity with Srila Prabhupada. In fact, uh, when Prabhupada was visiting one of the temples, I think it was in Europe, one of the temples in Europe he was visiting. And Prabhupada had, you know, Prabhupada has had very, like, laid out very strict standards of worship. What time the deity should be woken up and how they should be worshipped, what time yoga should be given, what time they should be put to rest in the afternoon, what time they should make, be made to retire in the night. So, Prabhupada has laid down all these procedures, but one of the temples had little bit flaunted the procedures because, you know, they realized there are lots of people who want to take darshan of the deities in the afternoon. So they were not putting the deity to rest in the afternoon at the time which actually, you know, how at 1 o'clock after Rajpur offering an RTD with the deity to rest and then we again wake them up in the afternoon at 3.30 or whatever. But because there were some guests coming who wanted to take darshan, this temple had modified that rule slightly and they were keeping the darshan open a little longer because of which the deities were not being put to rest at the time they should have been put. And again when Srila Prabhupada came to take darshan of these deities, he was visiting this temple he had no idea that the temple had, you know, little bit changed the rule or modified the rule. But when he saw the deities, again reciprocation with the deity, and the Prabhupada came and actually said that the deities are looking very tired. Are you putting them to rest properly? Are they getting enough rest? And then, you know, the deity, the devotees revealed that they had changed the rule because they, they wanted to keep the, like an extended darshan. They wanted to allow a guest to have darshan. And Prabhupada immediately put a stop to that. He said, no, if you form the rules, people will realize they have to come at a certain time to take darshan, but the deities need to have enough rest because they are looking tired of the altar right now. So we see how, you know, if Archadigra, the deities have been installed in the way Guru Sadhu and Shastra have recommended, there will be reciprocation because it is the Lord Himself who is there in the form of Archadigra who is reciprocating. Shri Chor the deity who gave witness. Um, the, and you know these pastimes in our own Srila Prabhupada as with the deities. So then we can also have this question that Prabhu, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came to establish the Yuga Dharma. Prabhupada was so much about spreading the Hare Krishna Mahamantra. But then how if the Yuga Dharma is chanting, why are we talking about deity worship? So you know that question can also come up. And I was reading the website called deityworship.com which is uh, you know, Bhanu Maharaj, Janavivas Prabhu, Narshinga Kavash Prabhu, they are all actually, um, they, are, they are all operating that website and all the contents over there has been authorized by them. And in that particular um, website, there were very good points that were mentioned. So they were saying that, you know, if we chant, there is no need to depend on any other process. 
because chanting is the yuga dharma we know that we know that chanting is enough to take us back to godhead there is no other devotional uh, service which is required in fact in one of the lectures i was listening that 99% of the spiritual progress comes from chanting the vedi chant and the remaining 1% is daily worship book distribution prasadam distribution preaching everything else is 1% but 99% of a personal spiritual progress obviously congregation spiritual progress is dependent on many other activities but a personal spiritual progress 99% happens because of the quality of our chanting so we know chanting is a yoga dharma in fact when shri la prabhupada was asked by some of one reporter and who had come to the temple and he was interviewing shri la prabhupada and he asked shri la prabhupada that why are you opening so many gorgeous temples and all that why do you need such big big establishments what is the use of all these things and prabhupada answered to that reporter prabhupada said that i can actually sit under a tree and i can you know sit all day and chant the hari krishna mantra and this is evident it's not that you know prabhupada was establishing these temples just for himself or for his own comforts we know the austere life prabhupada had led when he was before if you know he started when he came to the west he used to live in that small room in radha damodar temple cook only once a day walked so much just to get his books printed because he didn't have enough money so we know the austere lifestyle which prabhupada has led but prabhupada told the reporter so i am happy to sit under a tree but he said that you will not come if i am sitting under a tree so these temples and this deity worship which i am establishing they are actually centers for preaching because that will attract people to come to the temple and then we can obviously answer questions like i'm sitting down and answering your questions and you will now report it in the newspaper and it will spread all over the world for people to read so yes there is no need to depend on anything else if you know we are just standing purely one can immediately get all the desired results of linking with the lord we know abhinathan namanamina which is answered in antya uh, lila So Prabhupada writes in the purport to that particular section, seven point seventy six, which Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is quoting, the verse Hare Nam Hare Nam Hare Nam Yeh Kevalam. Prabhupada writes in that purport. Prabhupada says that generally in Kali Yuga, especially, devotees are addicted to abominable, abominable material habits due to material contamination from previous lifetimes. So you know, even practicing devotees, it's very hard to give up habits which we have been conditioned to from our pre-devotional days and all from our previous lifetimes as well. So Prabhupada says, and therefore, to get quick relief from this contamination, the material contamination which is there in devotees' hearts, it is required that one engages in the practical worship of deities in the temple. Because one cannot immediately come to the pure stage, sit down and just chant all the time. In fact, once during Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur's time, there was a devotee who used to just eat, he had so much taste for chanting. So he used to just keep chanting, and some of the other devotees complain that all the time he is chanting and we have to do all these services. He is not engaging in any services at all, like daily worship or distribution or you know preaching, harina and all that. And Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur said that he has developed taste for chanting for the holy name. So please leave him alone. And he in fact challenged these disciples also who were complaining. He said that if you know what, if you want, let's put an ad in the newspaper. and let's invite people who are ready to sit and chant 24 hours a day in the temple and we'll tell them we'll give you free lodging free boarding so you don't have to worry about your accommodation you don't have to worry about eating everything will be provided to you the only thing you have to do is sit and chant all the time and he challenged that no one is going to apply for that role so he said that this devotee has developed taste for chanting please allow him to you know continue his chanting So this is this is what we see in examples in the during Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur time, but not everybody is on that platform yet. And therefore, Prabhupada explains in the worship in, in that purport to Antya Lila seven point seventy six. He says the worship of the deity in the temple is essential to reduce one's restlessness due to contamination of uh, conditioned life, because our senses are very restless life right now, and to give them an anchor. these deities have been established by the deity worship has been established by shri lakshmipal so that all of us our senses are engaged in looking at the beautiful form our you know senses are engaged in smelling the flowers that have been offered taking the aarti that has been offered people who are you know devotees who have become brahmins they can actually go on the altar and do deity dressing or you know shalikram puja and all that so 
Abhishek of the North. So that is why Prabhupada has established this, just to settle down our restless minds in this Kaliyuga. And therefore, we even see Narad Muni anticipating the you know restless mind of conditioned souls in Kaliyuga has given what is called as Panchavatri Pravati. So Prabhupada says in many purports, Prabhupada says that every conditioned soul has a bodily concept of life in in that sense enjoyment. And therefore, it is very hard for him to just do chanting, sit down and do chanting in one place. And therefore, we have these, you know, the train runs on two tracks. So, we have these two tracks. We have the Bhagavad Vidhi and the Panchavatri Pravati. So, one is chanting, reading Bhagavatam and all that, but the other is the practical part, the practical um, activity of engaging in deity worship. And therefore, we see that even though Yuga Dharma is chanting, and yes, chanting can give us, can take us back to Godhead. 99% of our spiritual progress comes from chanting. But because all of us are material, have materially conditioned senses right now, Prabhupada established this elaborate deity worship on all, all centers in ISKCON for us to engage our senses, for us to have some, remember, you know, because when then we sit down and chant, if we have engaged in deity worship, taking darshan, we will be able to then remember that form of the Lord when we are chanting. So, um, in, in again, in the you know, taking some notes from the deity worship website, this uh, over there it is mentioned that Srila Prabhupada has given lots of reasons for establishing deity worship or Archavikraha worship in the temples. But the three main reasons which Srila Prabhupada gives why worshiping the deities is so important. So, the first reason Prabhupada gives is preaching. That is one of the main reasons because you know Prabhupada was a Gushti Anandi saint. He always wanted to spread the glories of uh, Lord Krishna, spread the chanting of the Hare Krishna Mahantra. So whatever he would establish, his main focus was always preaching and bringing as many conditioned souls back to Godhead. That was his main aim. So one of the main reasons Prabhupada said deity worship and worship of the Archavikraha is important is because it helps in preaching. So this is to give the opportunity to the congregation and the public in general to reawaken their lost relationship with the Lord. In fact, Prabhupada wanted to establish many, many temples with gorgeous deity worship and we know Prabhupada was successful in establishing more than 108 temples, farm communities and temples where he established his gorgeous deity worship standard. So he said that this is non-different from preaching. He considered it as an integral part of preaching, the deity worship. In fact, in one of his room conversations he said, that Archana is also preaching. So if a temple maintains their deity worship gorgeously and when a common man comes to take darshan of these beautiful deities because everyone's senses are attracted to beautiful things. Everyone wants to see beautiful forms, beautifully decorated things. So he said when a common man visits a temple and sees the gorgeous deity worship, he becomes purified and the need to satisfy his senses is fulfilled. So he was saying this in a room conversation in Vrindavan in 1977. And also in the Srimad Bhagavatam, in the second canto and third chapter, he mentions, mentions that visiting the temple for a devotee and looking at the profusely decorated forms of the Lord um, and you know coming into the sanctified temple naturally infuses the mundane mind of the devotee with spiritual feelings and with spiritual power, like you know the desires arise in the, in the person's heart to actually take uh, darshan. So that is why we see even you know our temple which has such high standards of deity worship and we dress our deity so beautifully. We see people are attracted, why we get so much crowd on Janmashtami, we have other temples also in Melbourne, but why do we get so many people wanting to visit our temple? It's because they are attracted to the beautiful forms of the deities. And I have heard from so many people, even in Bhakti Rukshas and all, when we preach to new people, they always say that as soon as you enter, open that door and you enter into this room, they immediately feel like a spiritual calm and peace take over them, just because of the sanctified atmosphere of the temple and just by looking at the deities, the beautiful darshan of the deities. So that is what Srila Prabhupada is saying, that deity worship is integral part of preaching. It helps the congregation come and engage their senses in looking at the beautiful form of the Lord. And that way their spiritual desires are aroused when they take darshan of this beautiful form of the Lord. So that is one of the main reasons. The second reason which Prabhupada gives for establishing deity worship and you know worshipping beautiful deities is personal purification. So Prabhupada says that deity worship provides us an opportunity to engage our mind and senses in service 
service of Krishna 24 hours a day. And it allows, that rate allows our senses to get gradually purified by worshipping the deities. In fact, Prabhupada says also for householders especially, like we are talking about deity worship in the temple, but even for householders Prabhupada says, because for grahasthas means there is that license, some license for sense enjoyment is there. But Prabhupada says, therefore for householders also, it is very important that they worship deities at home, so that everybody in the house is engaged in some service to the Lord. The wife is, or the mother is engaged in cooking for the Lord, the father or the husband is engaged in, you know, aarti or deity worship, offering bhoga. Children also can be there, therefore engaged in somehow, you know, taking darshan, do some small services for the Lord. So, to make, you know, take the center away from sense gratification and, you know, bring, engage the senses in um, uh, the deity worship, Prabhupada very much recommends that the husbands should also worship deities at home because that leads to personal purification of the ashram and of the Prabhupada's. So the Lord descends in his deity form, obviously, to give us an opportunity to engage our material senses directly in his worship. And although deity worship is not essential, like we discussed, chanting is enough, the material conditioning for most or most devotees is so high that unless they engage in deity worship, they will not be able to purify their senses. So when we consider, like we were saying, the bodily and the mental constitution of devotees, right now it is not so pure to just be able to sit and chant and therefore for the personal purification this deity worship is recommended. So in fact in Chaitanya Charitra Veda Madhya Mila Prabhupada says that by remaining engaged in the service of the Lord 24 hours a day, the living entity can overcome material conditionings completely and that is the purpose of establishing deities in the temple. And after a few days, we should not start thinking, again speaking of Brahastas, one should not start thinking that, oh, this is a burden, I can't worship these deities anymore, it's so much hard work, because, you know, there must be some standards which should be maintained when you have deities at home, like offering aarti or bhoga at least once or twice a day, cooking for the Lord, cleaning the altar, um, cleaning the like having water pots, changing their water every day. So, then it becomes a great offense, Prabhupada says in Chaitanya Chandra but if daily worship is done in the right mood and the right attitude, it can lead to immense personal purification for devotees. So, and the third, that was the second reason, like personal purification for the devotees. And the third reason Prabhupada gives is direct service to the Lord. So, like Prabhupada has mentioned in this purport over here, Krishna is very kind and compassionate. So, he comes down in this form, in the form of Archavikraha, just to reciprocate with devotees, whether it's neophyte or advanced devotees, and to accept whatever that devotee will offer to him. Like, you know, we read the verse, Patham Pushman Param So he is ready to accept, he is Bhavakrahi Janardana. He is ready to accept even mental worship, like we see the Brahmin's example. So this is, you know, direct service of the Lord, which the Lord is coming down to engage all his devotees in. So that the devotees have an anchor, so that the devotees have something to purify their senses and ultimately it will help in preaching also. Because so many people will be attracted if there is nice daily worship going on. So these are the three main reasons. One is preaching, Prabhupada says, one is personal purification. And the third reason for doing daily worship is to engage everybody in direct service of the Lord. To engage the neophyte devotees, even the advanced devotees and engage their conditioned senses so that they get something to reciprocate with the Lord. Because when we are sitting down to chant, we, we, you know, then it becomes a very high platform for us to remain engaged and keep our mind always focused on the holy name of the Lord. But when we are doing deity worship, we are actually directly touching the deities, we are actually directly, you know, doing Abhishek, dressing, and people who are not Brahmins, they are taking darshan from outside directly with their eyes, drinking the beauty of the Lord. So, that way we are directly serving the Lord in some way or the other. Now, Prabhupada says, he says that some of the reasons why deity worship should not be done. So, we saw reasons why deity worship is important and why Archivikraha worship was established by Prabhupada. But some of the reasons why deity sh should not be welcomed or should not be, deity worship should not be done. And the, one of the main reasons he, gave, he says over there is that, you know, that the deities are being used as a means to earning income. So that is the reason why deities should not be established. In fact, Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur actually says, he, he condemned temples who made a business out of deity worship. 
In fact, we know when Gauri Shodas Babaji Maharaj had passed away, and you know there was a big commotion, which had people had gathered, and everybody wanted to make the samadhi of Gauri Shodas Babaji Maharaj in the Arun Center. And then Bhakti Siddhartha Saraswati Thakur even challenged everybody, and he said everyone wants to make a center like you know make a samadhi India center because then you all know people will come to take darshan. He was such a great saint, and that way you will get income for your center. And he condemned that sort of attitude. In fact, he said there is a Bengali proverb. He he coined a Bengali phrase and said, "Shali kamadwara badam bhanga." So he says that the priests are taking taking the shaligram deity as a stone for cracking nuts. Badam means almonds for cracking nuts. So he said that if somebody makes a business out of you know that oh I will have deity so that people will come and then we get money and I can fill my own belly or I can satisfy my senses. He said then then that definitely that particular deity is a stone. Then it's an idol. It's not a deity anymore because you are using deity worship for the wrong reasons. So Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur also condemned that this should not be the reason of deity worship, and some of the other reasons which are given by deities should not be worshipped is you know somebody says oh they were given to us they are so cute that is why I felt like worshiping them so these are you know sentimental reasons unless it has been authorized by guru sadhu or shastra these are not the reasons we should be welcoming the deities okay the other one he says that uh, there is a deity sitting in storage for a long time. is why we welcome them that is not also an authorized reason or you know because someone felt like worshiping deities or the deities i was having were not big enough so now i want bigger deities so that is why i am welcoming them another set of deities so these are some of the unauthorized reasons these are not these are some of the reasons for which deity worship should not be done because then the motivation is not the three main reasons which prabhupad said which is preaching um personal purification and engaging in direct service of the lord Now, Prabhupada also, you know, goes on to establish that okay, once we know the right reasons for welcoming deities and for doing Atharvigraha worship in a temple, then what are some of the facilities which are needed so that deity worship can continue nicely in a temple? And Prabhupada says that the one of the first things which is very important is that we have sufficient pujaris. And now, when I was reading all this on the deity worship website, I was just thinking of our temple. And I was thinking that in our temple there is such a high standard that has been established, and you know there are few points which Prabhupada mentions, but in every point I was keeping on thinking how our temple is completely aligned with whatever has been mentioned by Shri Prabhupada in terms of deity worship. So Prabhupada says that one of the main requirements to carry on deity worship uninterruptedly is we should have sufficient pujaris. And we have in our temple such a high standard. We have highly trained Brahmins, like you know we have. Achyendra Mata Ji and Neelam Prabhu and other devotees also who engage in training Bhakti Man Prabhu. All of them engage in training the devotees, the Brahmins, in proper standard of deity worship before they are allowed to cook for the Lord or go on the altar for the Lord. So even Prabhupada says that he says that due to service requirements, different number of pujaris who are able to steadily commit themselves to the worship are required. And this number will obviously depend, will vary depending on which deities are there and. You know, some temples have three men. Again, we have a high standard of three per personality in a temple. Like right now, because of COVID, we have changed some of these things. But otherwise, we have a high standard, and we are training pujaris to keep up with that high standard in our temple. So we do need sufficient pujaris. We need sufficient brahmins who are trained properly. In fact, Prabhupada wrote a letter to Vidyananda. He said, "I'm glad to hear that you are opening another workshop." Um, in Kanwa for the manufacturing of Gomita deities, and this is great service to our community and our temples. But you should always inform me before sending the deities to the temple. We cannot send deities indiscriminately to anyone where they do not have sufficient facilities and pujaris to worship the deities. So he was so like the Radhayananda Prabhu was opening a center for manufacturing Gomita deities, but again Prabhupada was cautioning. Because Prabhupada did not want indiscriminate deity worship to be started, which was not sustainable later on. So sufficient pujaris was one of the requirements or a facility that is needed to carry on proper deity worship. The second thing Prabhupada says is ownership of the property. So Prabhupada says that once pran pratishtha has been done, we have you know authorized, uh, we have done authorized welcome of the deities. So pran pratishtha is the way in which. The Lord is invoked. The Lord's presence is invoked, and He is invited to come and reside in the deity. 
and that is what makes this deity Archimitra. And therefore, we see temple deities have so much more potency. So, devotees living near the temple actually are encouraged to consider the temple deities as their main worshipable deities. And because there is so much potency, because they have been done welcome in the form of authorized Prana Pratishtha. So, Prabhupada says that once deities, according to Vedic culture, once this worship has started for you know deities, especially where Pran Pratishtha has been done, then the deity should not be moved from one place to another or then therefore ownership of the property is very important. So if, therefore if an Iskon temple does not own the property, then there might be a risk that the deities which might have to be moved. And again, you know, thinking of our temple, our deities, we had a small center years and years ago, but after that for so many years we've been worshipping our deity in this temple uninterruptedly with sufficient number of Pujari. So again, I was thinking of our temple when I read about this point. Um, in fact, he said also in a letter to Hamsa Dutta in 1975, he said that um, regarding the Frankfurt Temple and Deity program, unless we have got our own building, this proposal of Deity worship should be postponed. Do not install the deities unless you have obtained the, your own building and you have purchased the property. He wrote to Hamsa Dutta in a letter. And then obviously stability. So the first one was sufficient Pujari's ownership of the property and the third facility that is very important is stability. So the level of deity worship desired by Srila Prabhupada um, is facilitated by devotees serving him in the mode of goodness and therefore ample funding is also required. So until, um, unless a temple is stable, you know we have a congregation which is supporting the temple or book distribution restaurants again supporting the temple with income. Enough funding is there. It is not possible to have stable deity worship go on for years and years. And again, I was thinking of our temple. Like we have such nice facilities. We have you know such beautiful dresses for the deities, such beautiful ornaments, jewelry, and we have the stability which is required to continue deity worship for a long time in our temple. Also, steady management. Prabhupada says. So, if if the management is not steady, and you know there is change in management, because with change in management come change in principles. Because obviously, whenever in offices we know, whenever a new manager comes, he wants to announce his presence and show that he has arrived by changing some of the things. Oh, we are doing it for the better. He will say so. Change in management always brings in change in change in uh, principles also, which are which have been established. So Prabhupada says steady management is very important again for uninterrupted and stable devotional service. And again in our temple we had Anil Prabhu Rajendra Mataji, you know, as the temple class president for years and years. And therefore we see they are maintaining the standards which had been established by Kurma Prabhu and you know others who had established this temple early. So those standards, temple standards have been maintained almost for 40-45 years now in our temple. Also steady pujaris. So we need a consistent number of pujaris, sufficient pujaris, but also steady pujaris who worship the deities for years and years, who don't consider it as a burden. Because Prabhupada says, as soon as we consider deity worship or deity services as a burden, it is a great offense. So therefore, you know, steady pujaris who are ready to stay committed for, for whom the deities are actually their life and soul. So we need these pujaris who have this you know, continuous reciprocation from the Lord and who are very inspired to stay committed to doing that worship for years and years. And obviously adequate facilities like have a proper Pujari room, paraphernalia room, facilities for storing the deities, dresses, jewelries, a proper kitchen for cooking for the Lord. So these are some of the facilities also which are required to for deity worship to continue in a temple again, you know, which our temple is maintaining so beautifully. And Prabhupada, in terms of which deity should be welcomed, we discussed that in two minutes and in the class. So Prabhupada normally recommended, again, you know, this is there in this uh, the website, he normally recommended the worship of Radha Krishna, Gornita, and Jagannatha Devshubhadra. These are the standard deities which Prabhupada wanted every Iskon temple to have. Again, which our temple has followed, following usually Prabhupada's footsteps. There were some exceptions which Prabhupada made in certain places, like in Fiji temple, he had established Krishna Kaliya deities. And um, in, for example, in Bombay, Juhu temple, Prabhupada allowed the establishment of Krama Sita. Even in Washington, D.C. So wherever, or even in Delhi. So wherever he considered a, a center as a capital, like an economic capital or the capital of the country, he would allow the establishment of Krama Sita, you know, considering like Krama Rajya should be established. So he would allow, you know, some other deities to be 
worship based on time, place, and circumstance. But mostly, Srila Prabhupada always wanted temples to have Gornita, Radha Krishna, and Jagannathpuri Shivatra. In fact, there was, you know, following in the footsteps of Vrindavan temple, where we have Krishna Balram deities as well, there was another temple who wanted to establish Krishna Balram during Prabhupada's times. And Prabhupada said that no, in Vrindavan it is an exception because our temple is in Raman Kriti. Krishna Balram used to have lots of pastimes there, and there is no other temple which has Krishna Balram deities again in Vrindavan. So that will also, you know, attract, it will help us in preaching, it will attract people to come and take darshan. So that is why we established Krishna Balram, but otherwise he told that a person who wanted to have Krishna Balram deities that let's only have Radha Krishna, Jagannath, Pradesh, Shubhadra and Gornita deities. Gornita are Krishna Balram, that's what Prabhupada explained to that devotee. So these are the different types of deities which Prabhupada wanted all his contemplators to have and even householders to have in their homes. So just to conclude the class, we know that Prabhupada says, you know, the Prachetas are glorifying Archavigraha form of the Lord. And Prabhupada is saying that Krishna is kind, he comes down as Archavigraha from the spiritual world just to accept the service of all neophyte devotees. Chanting is enough for all of us to go back home, back to Godhead. But because of Kaliuga and because our minds are restless, we have conditioning from our pre-devotional days or from our previous lifetimes, it's difficult for us to just do chanting, sitting in one place and doing chanting. And therefore, to engage our senses for our own personal purification, so that we have some direct service to the Lord, the system of Archavitraha was established by Srila Prabhupada as authorized by the scriptures. So we let the class here, and if there's any questions, comments, or corrections. My question is, um, what happens to those devotees who worship deities which are not properly installed? Uh, I'm not new devotees or neophytes or even devotees who are not really like, connected to this God. <coughs> Do they get benefit? Um, so you're talking about deity, home deity worship? Yeah. Um, so for home, obviously, there is quite a lot of flexibility. Usually in home, prana pratishtha is not done of the deities, like it is done in the temple where we invoke the presence of the Lord. There is a whole authorized, you know, way with, uh, procedure which is mentioned in the scriptures on how to plant Pratishtha. So in homes, we just welcome the deities. Like we invite a senior devotee or someone to come and welcome our deities. We might do Pushpa Abhishek if they are wooden deities or Abhishek, uh, proper Abhishek if they are metal deities. So the welcoming ceremony in temple is different to the welcoming ceremony in, uh, devo- uh, in homes. Because in homes, like I, we had attended Narsimhatavash Prabhu's seminar that's on home deity worship. So he said in home, the deities have come to accept the worship of the householder according to their own level. So at home, he said he encourages actually devotees to establish their own standard of worship. But he says we should have some standard, otherwise just have photos. If you are bringing deities in the house, you should have some standard... Um, and if you are not able to maintain standard let's say because you have a travelling job and there is nobody else to take care or let's say because you have to keep moving houses or something like that then don't welcome deities, then it is better to have pictures, so if we know of people who, whom we are preaching to or something like that, in the initial days it is good that people just worship, have photos of the deities like photos of the temple deities or whichever deities they are attracted to or inspired by but only when you know they know they can sustain some level of deity Again, it need not be as high as temple um, standards, but some level of deity worship where they are offering some bhoga, you know, offering aarti, like incense and all that, only then they should actually welcome deities. But we know there are some devotees, like you are talking, who will still have, you know, deities in their house or they will still have some form of the Lord which they are worshipping. So if they are sincerely doing that worship, Definitely there will be some reciprocation and that will help them then to go to the next level. It will help them to seek out somebody else who is doing better standard of devotional worship and that way then, you know, they will keep increasing their standards. So, it is there will be reciprocation and again, home ladies, like I said, come to actually take that service from householders according to what, whatever level they are at. So, some householders are very high standard of deity worship. They might, you know, dress their deities every day, or Vishik every day. Some householders will do once in uh, every Ekadashi. So, Narsimha Kaushpur had said that you establish standards which you can sustain. 
But if you have ladies, have some higher standards than what you would have for photographs. Yes, Nathalie. Nathalie, the story mentioned in the purport where the Brahmanas touched the sweet rice and then the Lord sent the chariot to go back to God. Was there a guru? Did he have a guru? This story is there in the Chaitanya and it's written with Mahatasi. I haven't looked at it because I just read it in the book and I've got it in lectures. Um, I am not very sure. I'll have to read that section up. I'll ask Gopa Vrindesh, do you have any idea that Brahman had a guru? There is no mention there is about no. guru, but general understanding is in the Vedic times, everyone has a guru. Okay. So, you know, a general statement, I'm not speaking about generally, everyone has a guru. Okay. And he's a Brahmana, he's initiated, he's doing the deity worship, so suddenly a good guy means somebody has acted as a guru. Okay. <laughs> 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 but we, this, this pastime is there in Chaitanya Shrikantha. Maybe we can look it up over there now. It's mentioned by, I think, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in one of his conversations with. Yeah, I'm just curious because generally without for one doesn't have direct access to Krishna. Yeah, yeah. So, like over in the shoots and maybe. Any other questions or comments? Okay, we end the class here. Ventra Shrimad Bhagavatam Ki, Shrimad Bhagavad Ki.